Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Congrats on going to college. Now the fun begins with setting up your dorm. Make it yours. Bed Bath & Beyond makes it easy. Sign up now for our college savings pass. Get 20% off your entire purchase every time you shop through September 30th. Only at Bed Bath & Beyond. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Source Material, your comic book fix for the week, where here on the Rattelich and Broadcasting Network, we are going to be discussing a book that came out, I believe, you know, I don't think I looked up the date this came out. I think it was 2011 or 2012. Hold on to that thought. I'm going to get a confirmation on that here in a few minutes. Uh, I got it, it. Tell me. Oh, I mean, I don't have it. I said I'll get it. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, why don't you why don't you edit that, Mister Chopsy McGee? I will. Um, <laughs> uh, 2012. 2012. I knew the New Fifty Two hit, and all these books came out. Uh, obviously, when I say New Fifty Two, anybody who is who's aware of the comic book universe from back then, uh, DC Comics came out with a whole slew of titles and redid a bunch of their continuity when it came to the New Fifty Two. So I was trying to explain to my dad the difference between Rebirth and the new 52. And his first question was, what does the 52 mean? And second, and I, what I said to him was that I believe it was Flashpoint, that, that the result of Flashpoint was the new 52. And that Rebirth was erasing the new 52 from existence and setting things back to one, where, where t- comic fans typically like their DC comics. But two, it was the pre- flashpoint universe can you like in 50 words or less lay that out so that if i if my dad ever listens to this podcast he understands what the new 52 was and wasn't okay all right uh you've heard mark radlich there ask a question ronnie adams just say hi so everybody knows what your voice sounds like hello all right now this is where we get to bring in our guest co-host probably the more experience when it comes to dc comics and i get to put him on the spot here to see if maybe he can assist you because he most likely can do a lot better job than i can uh that is one cole marantet cole new 52 versus rebirth versus what the hell happened all right so the basic nutshell the new 52 was a brand new continuity with 52 different comics each and ongoing that changed the way dc worked Whereas Rebirth was really just more of a fine tuning of that continuity back to more classic storytelling. Uh, New 52 was a complete overhaul, whereas Rebirth was just a, well, let's tweak this here and there. I have a follow-up. Okay. So with New 52, it was kind of like what happened with Secret Wars in Marvel, where everything no longer exists and we're starting everything from one again. But with Rebirth, yes. everything started with one as well. So I don't understand the di- I don't understand how one's an overhaul and one's a tweak. Well, they never actually changed any. There was no earth-shattering moment that changed the continuity except Superman changed. In they rebirth. never actually hit a reset button. In it's rebirth. just they renumbered the comics. Okay. okay. 
uh, you're saying in Rebirth, right? Yeah, in Rebirth. Okay. You know, when it comes to number one issues, especially recently uh, in comic books, it honestly sometimes doesn't mean a thing uh, other than they're just going to start telling kind of some new stories. I can remember when Marvel did something similar where they were just dropping number one issues left and right for, for things. And you're like, well, wait a second, what's going on here? And they all they were doing was just telling a new story or, you know, a little, a tiny bit of a mini series. Uh, then you had your main continuity. But new the New 52, one of the things that came out of the New 52 that I recall really because uh, I'm the speculator of the bunch here, the guy that looks for the comics that are, you know, what what ones, uh, how much is that comic book worth? Uh, Detective Comics had a very, very long run. It, it reached like 600 or 700, s- some crazy amount of issues. And then when New 52 hit, they they started it over. Now that Detective Comics issue number one was actually sought after quite a bit because the longest running DC title uh, had, had been reset for the first time in a very, very long time. It, it's just the number sometimes. That's all you got to kind of chalk it up to it's a matter of go ahead question and then i have a follow-up and this is mostly for cole but anybody can kind of jump in if you have the answer sure so the new 52 batman starts with the court of owls are we and i'm now reading the the rebirth tom king batmans is that all the same continuity yes okay yeah batman's continuity never changed they went through the Court of Owls and yada, da 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 all the way up through the end of the New 52 and the beginning of Rebirth. But Batman's continuity was the same. Okay, it's still the same Batman, who's a, yep. who's a thousand years old. Got it. Um, yeah, there's it's it's messed up. <laughs> okay. Are we still in the Flashpoint universe? No. Like, is the, re- Flashpoint, uh, the Flashpoint universe ended at Flashpoint when the Flash mm-hmm. went back in time and undid the thing that made Flashpoint happen and made my head hurt. <laughs> um, and then technically Rebirth is still in the new 52 universe. Okay, but isn't the new 52 the result of Flashpoint? Well, when you say the result, because what Flashpoint was a series where we saw pretty much the be- the beginning of that series or the beginning of that continuity and the end of that continuity. They just said, okay, now we're re- they, reset, they reset it again at the end of Flashpoint. So no, I realized that at the end, of, we talked about this last year, where at the end of Flashpoint, he goes back and, and kills the reverse Flash or whatever. I don't remember the exact sequence of events go back in the archive if if you go back in the source material archives he goes back he stops he stops from flashpoint from ever happening but as i understood it in in real life flashpoint set up the new 52 continuity which we're still in correct yeah rebirth it set it up but flashpoint itself was a separate continuity it was its own separate universe with an emaciated Superman and Aquaman right. was the head of a bunch of armies and right. nothing and makes it. Right. And then when he and when he said it right, that all went out of existence. But when I say the result of which was, in other words, so Flash makes everything right again. And you know, going forward, there's there is a continuity that is the new 52. And we're still in that continuity. Yes. OK, Pl- let us continue before I have a nosebleed. Oh, well. I don't blame you, Mark. DC Comics continuity has been around for so long and they've tried to shake things up for so much uh, or so many times. It's it's hard to keep track, you know, so I don't I don't blame you when it comes to confusion there. But yes. OK, so this evening we're talking Aquaman. This is the trench. Just to throw it back to you, Mark. Wh- why did we choose to do this book again? In December, the Aquaman movie with Aquabro is coming out. <laughs> 
and uh, the main villain of uh, the main villain to take on Aquabro is Black Manta. And I couldn't find a good trade or a good graphic novel of Aquaman versus Black Manta except for Volume Two of Aquaman New Fifty Two, Black Manta Rising. And because right. I can't do things out of order, we had to do this one first. So if I could do this one now, setting up for Pirates Pirates Week Part Two on the Rattle Engine Broadcasting Network, then in December we can do Black Manta Rising. Okay, so we're we're doing this for Pirates Week, and it's it's falling in line, so we can be prepared in oh. December. All right. Well, we're, we're talking. This is six issues. Four issues are pretty much one solid story, and then we got two one shots. Go ahead, and I'm going to give uh, props to the creative team here real quick. Uh, written by a first off, this guy's been on the podcast before, and I'm talking about. We've talked about his work. I wish I could land him as a guest, but no. His name is Jeff Johns. He he writes this tale to give you a little bit of a background of who Jeff Johns is. He's known for uh, right now, according to what the wiki says, Johns is the president and chief creative officer of DC Comics and has, been, and has been since 2010. His most notable work in other media has used the DC comic char- Comics characters, Green Lantern, Aquaman, Flash, and Superman. Uh, he is known for his work on the WB slash the CW Smallville, Arrow, and The Flash. Wrote, I want to add to that. Yes, sir. He's also the current scapegoat for the hot garbage that is the DC Cinematic Universe. Oh, no. Yeah, they're blaming that on him and he doesn't deserve it, but here we are. <laughs> now, I, <laughs> I, I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast. He wrote Blackest Night, right? Yeah. One of the scariest comic books that i've read uh in quite a while when i first read it it gave me nightmares i'll, I was I'll say yeah that gave you nightmares didn't that it? is yeah i could read walking dead and i could be affected by issue 100 which i was profoundly uh but then that didn't you know give me nightmares that same night somehow blackest night did i don't know how but it did now as for the art uh, a guy by the name of ivan reese about I'll go I'll go with that pronunciation. I'm probably incorrect because he's a Brazilian comics artist. Uh, he's known for work his work on comics such as Dark Horse Comics Ghost, Marvel Comics Captain Marvel, DC Comics Action Comics Green Lantern, and tonight's Aquaman series. And now I can tell you that Jeff Johns and Ivan Reese have been, and I'm glad I'm not pronouncing his name as Yvonne. <laughs> <laughs> Which it would it would be very fitting that I probably am, but anyway, Ivan, <laughs> Ivan, uh, Ivan, and Jeff Johns have have collaborated on quite a bit of uh, of work. These creators actually remained on this title for the next sixteen issues of Aquaman. So up to I should say the first sixteen issues of Aquaman in the New Fifty Two. We'll start here with Ronnie. I mean, let's let's talk about Aquaman and uh, what was prior to reading this tonight i mean have you read a whole lot or do you know much about aquaman not read a whole lot my first exposure to aquaman was super friends okay where he he where he rode giant seahorses into battle (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and that noise would would you know that you'd hear that noise and the circles would come out of his forehead and he'd talk to fish I and that was it. I have an old I don't know, I think it might have been a DC Comics Presents issue uh-huh. because he wasn't running in his own title, I don't think, at the time. But somehow I ended up with this old cruddy DC Comics Presents issue in my catalog, and it's it's got Aquaman on the front of it, and he's smiling, holding the trident, and he's on the back of a seahorse, giant seahorse. <laughs> so uh, I'm right there with you, Ronnie. That's kind of the image I uh, I conjure every time someone said Aquaman. I would my brain would go right to that issue. How about you, Mark? 
like Ronnie, I my I've never read any Aquaman comics, and my only exposure to Aquaman was um, in the uh, Super Friends show. So you know, same thing. I'm not going to continue to make the noise or anything, but you know that that iconic <laughs> image of him riding into frame uh, on a giant seahorse. Yeah, a couple of other couple of other Aquaman notes that people should be aware of. There's the DC comic special for Robot Chicken. Uh, no, so not Robot Chicken, but that does exist. Uh, Family Guy. Where there's a woman being sexually assaulted on the beach, and Aquaman shows up, and like, what are you gonna do? And he's like, oh, you know, I'm gonna get fish to, to come, and you'll be sorry, you know. And then and they're just yeah, ignoring was... him. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, but that plays that was into uncomfortable. This... <laughs> that plays into this issue that we're gonna read about how you know Aquaman seems like a useless hero. Oh yeah. Um, so that's hopefully something we'll touch on. But the, well, the other thing I wanted was... to draw attention to, we almost got an Aquaman. Arrowverse show. Yeah, really? Yeah, we did. Yep, there's a one-hour pilot available on iTunes that I have been dying to watch. And have you really? We may need to talk about it, Ronnie, because I am dying to watch this thing. Not tonight. I I, I have to watch it again, but I've seen it. Yeah, but yeah, there there is a one-hour pirate pirate. There's a one-hour pirate of a uh, of an Aquaman (laughs) Arrowverse show that uh, did not get picked up. They they aired the pilot, and that was the end of that. Yeah, I think Ronnie would agree. And, and Cole, I don't know if you were there for the original discussion, but I think Ronnie would agree that Aquaman is the cup of the uh, DC universe. That's going we're- too far. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> cup is awesome. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. Poor, poor he's the grizzled veteran of the Transformers that everybody looks up to and enjoys listening to his war stories. And I will have you know, Mr. Mark Radulich. <laughs> And I will yes. defend him to my dying day. Uh, and Aquaman are no one's favorites. Now, hold on just a second. Aquaman got cool. There is there is one person that we brought onto the podcast specifically who I believe de- can raise a defense as to why Aquaman should be considered a favorite character of those out there. And that's Cole Marantet. Cole, I, I mean... I think you've told me about your affinity for Aquaman way back in a few, you know, a few episodes of source material that we've been on together. It was it because of this book that we're going to be talking about here that got you into it, or have you been into Aquaman for uh, prior to that? I was into Aquaman before the New Fifty Two. I was I liked Aquaman before it was cool. Um, <laughs> no, but I really started getting into Aquaman in the nineties when they went really really edgy with him. Like he oh, lost yeah. his hand and replaced it with a harpoon. Yeah, and he had the long hair and he wasn't wearing the armor. He was just shirtless. And he was just a badass. Mm-hmm. And then the character sort of evolved from there. He kept the some of the edge and the increase to his power, but went back to the classic look. And I kind of lost interest. And then when the new 52 was rolling around, I was getting back into comics. And so I said to myself, I says, self, <laughs> you should track, you should follow the new 52. And so yeah. I made a, a big, huge pull list. And right at the top of it was Aquaman because I was interested in seeing what Jeff Johns could do with the character. And boy, oh boy, was I right. Yeah. How long, Cole, has he been king of Atlantis? Technically, he's always been king of Atlantis. Uh, There have been times in the intervening years where he's abdicated the throne. But like king of Atlantis is part of his character from like 
the beginning. Inception. I was going to say, I didn't realize that. I, I always thought that the King of Atlantis gimmick came along, um, you, you know, years into his existing as to give him an edge and to flesh out his character more and so that he wasn't just the guy that talked to fish. And make him more name more like. Hush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah when did he become a com- complete carbon copy of namor cole tell us uh, i will hear none of this <laughs> i i was on the wiki tonight just to kind of get an idea of a little bit of his history aquaman's history and i mean you'll see on there that uh, he's gone through quite a bit of I wouldn't say retconning or anything like that, but I mean, his story was fleshed out more in, in some specific years or eras of comics. I mean, his, I'm looking at the wiki right now, the guy, his first appearance, Aquaman's first appearance, more fun comics, number 73, November, 1941. Let's just take a look here, Mark Radlich, and let's see when Namor, the Submariner showed up. So 1940. Are you betting on that, or do you... Oh, okay. Well, Dave... No, I'm a, <laughs> no, oh, I'm a jerk, you idiot. You're correct. <laughs> well, I was going to say you actually were close, because... Uh, was I wasn't planning on this. First, <laughs> first appearance. First appearance, motion picture funnies, weekly, April of 1939. Uh, oh, look at me. I'm yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, he's got a bit of a history. I mean, we're talking at this point in time during this comic book, that's close to... To 70 years worth of history for Aquaman to uh, tales to be told. You know what I'm saying? Not only that, we now have a, a movie upcoming here at the end of the year. So, yep. uh, Cole, anything Aquabros. else? Aquabros. Aquabos starring Roman Reigns. Uh. <laughs> Head. <laughs> Head goes to the hand, shake, <laughs> shake, shake. So, Cole, anything else you'd like to say about uh, Aquaman before we get into before we get into the series? No, I think I've uh, I think I've said my piece and been ridiculed for it. No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> now, this okay. I know this sounds silly, and I've I've read Aquaman before, but I legitimately cannot remember. Does he have the power of flight? No. Okay. He, I didn't think he's so. super strong, and yeah. that gives him the ability to jump really far. As we'll see in this comic, his powers are best explained like Golden Age Superman. Yeah. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings, that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead. Sorry. We'll get into it. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to synopsis the first four issues because, like I said, this first the first four issues of this series are pretty much one contained story uh, titled The Trench. Now, this is this book. Mark is the is the trade actually called Aquaman the Trench? It is. Okay. Yeah. So, so the first four issues really focus on that part of the story, and the last two are uh, a very you know set aside after the story of the trench. So, we're going to do the first four, and then we'll do I'll synopsis the fifth one, and then the sixth and sixth one, and then we will be done. So, all right, here we go. Issues one through four. The son of a human and Atlantean, Arthur Curry, the well-known but little respected member of the Justice League that goes by the name of Aquaman, now resides in a lighthouse on the coast of Amnesty Bay with his wife, Mara, trying to find a life in this small town on the surface world. When a new threat of vicious humanoid creatures make their way to the top of the ocean looking for food at the neighboring neighboring city of Beach Rock, Arthur and Mara jump into action. After arriving at the scene and battling a few of the creatures, it is found that some of the residents of Beach Rock 
Ark have been taken by the beasts in cocoons into the depths. It is now Arthur and Mara's mission to rescue the citizens while also trying to find out where this new threat originates from and just what their motivations are. Relying on the advice of an obsessed professor and old friend turned enemy, Dr. Shin, they learn that these creatures most likely have come from the Oceanic Trench. Now, I did a little bit of research because at first I was calling it the Mariana Trench. And then I don't think at any point they title, they say what trench it is. Do they guys? They just call it the trench. The trench. And the only reason I devised it as the oceanic trench was because Dr. Shin says, he says that it was from, uh, from the mid Atlantic. And what I learned today and what our listeners will learn, the Mariana trench is in the Pacific. The oceanic trench is the one that's in the Atlantic. Uh, So let me, let me read that sentence again. So they learn that these creatures most likely have come from the oceanic trench, one of the deepest parts of the sea. Arthur and Mara swim to find the home of the creatures and learn that they are a dying race, and the creatures are now feeding the cocooned humans to their giant queen. Grabbing what cocooned people they can, Arthur makes a tough decision while being attacked to open up a volcanic vent, sealing the creatures in and killing the queen in order to escape. Back at home, after their adventure, saving the citizens of Beach Rock, a local policeman gifts the couple an orphan dog whose owners did not make it through the first attack. Enter Aqua Dog. <laughs> oh lord <laughs> and that's issues one through four my best my best uh quick summary there so cole i i think i turn it over to you i, I mean we're jumping into the first four issues of this new 52 story what stood out to you what would you like to talk about well in the first issue the thing that stood out to me the most i mean the stuff with the trench is cool but the first issue is really about rehabbing aquaman's character agreed and showing showing people no this guy isn't a joke he's actually really cool i think there's nothing more iconic than him flipping the armored car with his trident the dude leaning out and peppering him with machine gun fire and it just pisses him off (laughs) yeah you're right they do a it's a it's a quick like your your first two or three pages are like okay this is aquaman this is what he is and they they set out to show you how strong he is and how somewhat invulnerable he is because i did not know number one that aquaman could take fire like that because it Mm -hmm. bounces off his armor and then it hits him in the head and bounces off his head and it leaves a scratch so he's somewhat bulletproof here had no idea about that now i knew he was strong i would assume he was but i i didn't realize i mean he freaking takes a this is like an armored truck or something and flips it into the air that's that's pretty strong so yeah uh ronnie you got anything to add to that Definitely made him a lot cooler to know that he was that strong and that, you know, had that level of invulnerability coming from my background of him where he talked to fish. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and that was pretty much it. But yeah. um, now, did they ever say, like, was it his uh, his Atlantean makeup, you know, like the because of the depths of the ocean, that's why he's so strong and, and, and uh, you know, it had to do with like the having to deal with the pressures of the ocean or was it just like, no, nah, he's just strong. It's it's always been implied that the Atlantean people, because they're uh, they're evolved to live at the bottom of the ocean, mm-hmm. that they're tougher and stronger because their bodies have to be physically capable of taking the pressure. Yeah, that's what there's I thought. That. I was just making sure. Yeah, there's that. And then there's been talk that he's metahuman on top of being Atlantean. And that's what gives him his edge over the other Atlanteans. Kind of like how Namor is a mutant. Not to yeah, bring yeah. up that uh, comparison again. <laughs> But, I was like, uh, hmm, we didn't bring this up this time. I know, right? I'm hoisting myself by my own petard. <laughs> <laughs> 
anything else there, Cole, about those first four? Well, I just, you know, they do a really good job of rehabbing uh, Aquaman's character in the first issue. The second issue brings up, uh, makes the trench a credible threat. Uh, they actually get one over on Aquaman. What is later revealed to be the king of the trench almost takes him out. Oh, it's a king? Um, it wasn't a queen. I, I was thinking it was a queen. My bad. Yeah, because well, they were the king, it was a throne. Go ahead. The king is the guy that comes up to the surface. The queen is the massive one that's in the trench. Oh, okay. Gotcha. There's that scary moment where he reaches out with his telepathy and there's nothing in the water because mm-hmm. the, the trench is eating it all. Yeah. Um, These villains were... I mean, they're what they feel throwaway to me, but they were still scary. Yeah. Uh, I mean, these were something that wasn't this wasn't your typical rogues gallery for Aquaman. Uh, these this is a brand new villain that came up, looked scary. I've got a picture of the second issue here, uh, and it's just a face of one of those. They don't even give him a name. I mean, they just they're just these things. As far as I know, I, I don't. I, did I miss a name at any point? And they just called them. Um, I believe the creature's name is Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> We've been attacked by Kevin's. Fans have come to call them the Trench based on the name of the comic, but in the comic, they're not actually given any sort of name or identity, okay. which I think makes them even scarier because they're so alien that they don't have an identity. Yeah. Mark Radlich, let's let's throw it back to Black Panther here. <laughs> I'll ask you I'll ask you one of the questions I asked well, they last week. Not like the other. <laughs> <laughs> if by if by discussing Black Panther you mean are we going to discuss the merits of Fifty Shades of the Fifty Shades oh, trilogy? No. I'm all for it. Yeah. Hit it. No. Now <laughs> I asked you last week. There you go, Mark. Do you think there is a <coughs> possibility of a, a nation like Wakanda out there? Now I ask you, sir. Do you think that there's a possibility of something like this? In the world, the trench. We have absolutely not even begun to explore the depths of the ocean. Mm-hmm. The pressure is so bad that there's only so far we can go. We don't have the technology as of yet. It, we, we can get into space easier than we can get uh, you know, to the bottoms of the ocean. And I absolutely believe that there are nightmare creatures living uh, in the deepest, darkest parts of the bottom of the oceans across the planet. I mean, what do they say? Like the, the planet is something like 90% water, something along mm-hmm. those lines? When, when you consider uh, there's a lot know, of water the, on it the entire surf the, the entire surface area and when you think about how far down the oceans go they have had some deep water probes bring back pictures of some of the living I told my son tonight don't be afraid Jonas there's no such thing as monsters I fucking lied to that child <laughs> okay <laughs> I straight up told him a bold faced lie because what I neglected to mention was there are no monsters that can get into this house they're all living in the fucking Ocean. <laughs> uh, truth. That's the so, truth. So, uh, do I believe there are xenomorph type creatures who are evolving to, you know, to to have some degree of speech or telepathy, and will someday walk on land and devour Ronnie Adams? Absolutely. <laughs> Why me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I can totally. That was probably to me like the more believable part of the book was. Yeah, I could absolutely see some, not necessarily creatures that walk that way, uh, just because why would they evolve to walk that way in the ocean? But something that was that monstrous and that aggressive, absolutely. Okay, uh, Ivan Reese does a great job of bringing to life and how horrifying these creatures look. Uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed about this book is the art just because again in the hands of an un- 
an artist that's not capable to handle the vision that Jeff Johns has. Uh, that's why you you see a lot of artists writer pairs because they feel comfortable giving the vision to somebody that's had success with it before. When you say when you say something, you watch somebody bring it to life or take their own spin on it on the page when they draw it. Uh, it can be a, it could I imagine it could be a great feeling. Uh, so anyway, I, I really enjoyed the way these creatures looked, how scary they were, the the, the fight scenes, and this first four issues and actually the whole series to be honest is an easy read i mean it's nothing where i was felt bogged down there were some great just one page one page of artwork and and text and sometimes not even text on that one page that really drove this this first these first four home so have we t- really talked sufficiently about i mean cole alluded to it and he's like oh this rehabilitates aquaman but i mean let's talk about some of the specifics that happened in this thing right from the get-go ronnie and i were goofing around about but that comes right out of the book you know aren't don't you talk to fish and he has to kind of explain that that's not really what he's doing mm-hmm. and i mean in most of the time we see in comics humans not appreciating superpowered individuals because they tend to wreck cities you know or they're vigilantes or whatever this one was not only that but it was only like and if we're gonna have to have a hero involved in in what is a law and order process it, we really don't need you fish boy you know involved <laughs> right. in this you know as much flack that the new 52 gets uh, this was a great solid starting point in my opinion because here's what they do with aquaman uh instead of trying to avoid all the jokes and the hard time that aquaman's got uh, over you know over the past few years decades i guess we would say instead of doing that they kind of embraced it Uh, and they made the character of aquaman have to acknowledge that that was out there they could have easily tried to make you know they could have made aquaman out to be this hard as nails atlantean like kind of like what we've seen in the past but somewhat like the Submariner, but they didn't go that route. Uh, Rather, they used all that negativity, turned it into part of the story to kind of show you how ridiculous it is to give someone this powerful that little respect. My favorite part of this book, other than the stuff with the trench, which was was really good, but but one of my favorite parts of this was him in the diner. (laughs) And he orders fish and chips. They're like, you can't order fish and chips. Don't you know them? (laughs) And it's just like, ugh. Just, uh, to yeah, yeah. just let me eat my lunch can i make a fish out of wa- water joke because <laughs> yeah, come on bring it on bring it on um, no you can't they, they do make that evident you know that uh, here's arthur and mara trying to live with the surface people and they're trying to fit into this town not only are you you know the king of atlantis and your wife right there you have these superhuman abilities and you're just trying to fit in uh, much like when we did when we talked about the vision the vision takes that to another degree but this is similar to that where these guys are trying to fit into this town and we see a lot more of that as we go on to the next two issues for sure uh, but yeah. regardless nobody got ecw'd with a cookie sheet to death <laughs> that is <laughs> That is true. That is true. Going back to what uh, Mark was saying, I completely blanked this out, but the whole acknowledging the jokes and the connotations that Aquaman has had, when I first read this, that was my least favorite part of this book. I thought that it was stupid and it didn't need to be part of the story, but as I've read it and reread it and reread it, 
I see what Jeff Johns was doing now. I see that the only way to effectively squash those those connotations and bring Aquaman back into the light was to meet them head on. Yeah, that's the exact feeling that I got. They were purposely they were purposely instituting those into the book. As funny as it was, it was great to see them address it, have the character itself have to try and live with that. I have the trade in front of me. I want to read the back of this for one second. Los Angeles Times Hero Complex. Every page drips with humor. IGN. It's a book that once again, it's a book that's once again funny, engaging, and action-packed. I think this was as much written for fans of comic books as it was for critics. Mm-hmm. And I think if you were going to write for critics, you had to acknowledge that, and, and forgive me for saying so, but the concept of Aquaman is dumb. And so, and, and so the authors are reframing it. And I'm not, I'm not commenting necessarily on Cole Marinette's uh, enjoyment of the character. He's free to enjoy whatever he likes. And I'm really not even saying that I think Aquaman is dumb. But if you think about what the concept is, d- devoid of all of all the items around it, the context, that's what I was looking for. Devoid of all the context, both historical and present. If you're just pitching a character, it's like, pitch me a superhero, Jesse. I want to, I, I, we, we want to write some fresh comics out there. Pitch me a superhero. Well, how about one that talks? to fish okay get the fuck out of my office um <laughs> wait i've You're got fired, more sir <laughs> he's, he's the king of atlantis i said get out um <laughs> you know what i mean so he's I, got I think strength, if, security <laughs> you understand what i'm saying like if you don't know if, if you're not already like a fan of the comic, you have to pitch this cold. I think you have to go into it with the idea of it's a silly concept. Let's reframe it so that it's less silly. Right. I think dripping with humor is a little bit extreme because I really didn't find myself laughing at a whole lot. I found, you know, I well, found it, him addressing some of the stuff. I didn't think it was very funny. That's for well, sure. It, it's it's no. Why should it goes well? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is true. But I was uh, amused. Okay. I, I'll give you that. I was too. I mean, the, the parts that I'll tell you the parts that were there that did that didn't feel forced to me. I mean, it felt like, okay, you know, we've got to deal with this and that it, it felt very real to his character because that's kind of like who I knew the guy. Here's the thing. You got to look at me. I'm somebody who's coming into this brand new and what a way to start at a number one that, uh, you know, kind of in, includes everything, every preconceived notion. If you don't know who Aquaman is but you've just heard about him through other people or what you've seen on tv or heard through the radio or whatever you know this was a great start uh because it it kind of included all that and if he made it made it feel familiar to me like i okay yeah i know who this aquaman is let's go ahead and move on unless anybody else has anything to say ronnie adams you good you ready i'm good all right let's go so we're going into issue five here buried alive which i don't know if that happened in this book but i i will go ahead and uh kind of quickly synopsis it here so after a military force extracts an ancient atlantean artifact a call is made to aquaman after it begins to emit a loud noise however an attack by an atlantean force come to reclaim what they believe is theirs they escape by air and it, <laughs> like and, you do well, yeah you get out of there you know so aquaman latches onto the outside of their plane breaches the inside and then is blasted from the crashing ship falling to the ground aquaman stands to find he is stranded in the desert 
After some time, Aquaman begins to hallucinate and converse with his dad, again focusing a light on Arthur's struggle to find his place in the surface world. Focusing his powers, he is able to find the artifact that fell with the ship. It activates, and Aquaman watches an image of an Atlantean soldier talking about following a great enemy into the trench and crashing just before, the, just before falling to the creatures that we've talked about in the first four issues. The image ends just as the military arrives, and the next day, headlines read, U.S. Navy save Aquaman from desert. Uh, So there we go. Uh, That's issue five. Now, which one did I, Ronnie Adams? This is one of those books that I enjoyed reading, but didn't really glean much from. Does that make sense? And I hate to say that, but it's, it's, you know, it's pretty much the truth because I remember reading, like, I remember more about the first, like, three issues than I do this one. And I, and I was trying to read it again before getting on here, so I wouldn't look like the big idiot that I am. (laughs) But, uh, but I found it hysterical that the, that the newspaper said that the U.S. Navy saved him (laughs) because that's usually the government spin on everything. I think there was another one, you know, they were like towards the end, they were had some kind of a TV show going on or something. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy kind of giving Aquaman, a, you know, elbow and a rib saying, well, what's next? You know, uh, he naps in a tuna net. Uh, so yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it, it, it continues to be unending this, this criticism that he nobody gets. really gives him any, like, it's true that nobody gives him even in this does not give him the respect that he's due. He's the Rodney Dangerfield of superheroes. Dude, this close. I came this close yesterday <laughs> when I was reading it to putting up a picture of Rodney Dangerfield and say I was prepping for the Source Material podcast <laughs> because now, that is exactly who I thought of. Isn't he a founding member of the Justice League? Yes. So he's a founding member of one of the greatest, if not the greatest, superhero team in the DC Universe. We'll, we'll say the greatest because closely, you know, close behind it is the if not almost as equal as Justice Society, mm-hmm. you know, and the the Justice League of Europe was kind of like their Great Lakes Avengers. <laughs> um, he's a founding member of that. He he has proved himself over and over and over. You know, maybe nobody really realizes, but even even when they're trying to rewrite the character, I feel like with these little jabs and everything, it's funny. Some of it is pretty funny that they're not giving him like the re- really. It seems like John's is trying to get him the respect, but it's kind of taken away from it with these little, these wink, wink, nudge, nudge, isn't that funny kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It, 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 did anybody else kind of get that? I mean, like, I understand what he's trying to do, but sometimes maybe it's a little too far Well, because I, it, it's just kind of like beating a dead horse. As soon as I saw the ship, you know, he's struggling to get through the desert. And as soon as I saw the Navy helicopter, like, you know, coming down, I'm like, oh, crap. You know, yeah. he... he he needs he needs save which he was in a bad way uh cole Cole, is he is it necessary for and if you know this great if not whatever but i mean is water they made it out like water was his achilles hero heel here where he was in the desert and he couldn't find any water and he was going it was almost like he was on death's door because he had to try and find some is that it's obviously a necessary for all of us and and when you're straining out in the desert you're going to need some but for aquaman if you if the absence of water is that going to potentially kill him quicker than us it is definitely a weakness certain writers have played around with it kind of like how writers play around with how much kryptonite affects superman and exactly how it affects superman whether it's like it weakens him or it takes away his powers or it just outright kills him or what what have you the lack of water has been one of aquaman's enduring weaknesses uh to the point where not too long ago he had to be submerged in water like 
every three weeks, like completely submerged, living underwater. He could only be on the surface for a short amount of time. Hmm. Um, that They've kind of dialed that back where he is now primarily a surface dweller, but he still needs to be in proximity to water or he starts to get weak. Gotcha. And Ronnie, I do feel you. I mean, it, it, poking at Aquaman and his weakness, again, we, we just, well, his, I say his weakness, but I, I'm poking at his reputation. I don't know. Didn't feel too overused to me. It was just like, okay, well, this is going to be the running gag of of what we see. We, you know, they're going to. He, and at no point does he lash out, which is makes him that much right. of a good guy. You know, he is the good guy of the Justice League. Yeah, yeah. As as the story goes, this is sort of a setup to what the next couple arcs are about. On its own, it's pretty weak. Uh, it's really doesn't, you don't really get a sense of why it even exists until they start getting into the whole who sunk Atlantis storyline. Yeah. It all, you know, kind of all starts with this artifact and then, you know, the Atlanteans come and that was kind of really the, the three pages where he gets into the fight with the Atlanteans that came to get the artifact and they all die. And him, the image, that holographic image or whatever that pops up kind of gives you that, that clue. Other than that, yeah, you're right. It's it, There's not much to it. All right, well, let's go ahead and we'll get into issue six here, finish this up. This was great. <laughs> I, just, I love issue six. <laughs> I just want dog food. <laughs> uh, Mara goes to the store to get some dog food, but gets caught up in some small town insanity. Isn't this why we read comics? Not for the, not, not for, you know, baby dark side and, you know, and, and the universe is collapsing onto themselves, but really for overpowered super beings from ancient worlds going to the grocery store to buy pet food. Yes. I know that's why I bought comics. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So Mara's, Mara's at the grocery store. And after being accosted by a grocery manager, Mara puts him in his place by breaking his arm. Things, you do. Yeah, you do it. Things soon spiral out of control as fear and confusion take hold as her superhuman abilities scare other residents. After a show of her power over water, Mara realizes the impact she is having on those around her. She immediately gives up and is arrested by p- the police. Another crisis crisis across town interrupts the police taking her to the station as a local father has taken his daughter hostage after murdering his wife. In the back of the squad car, Mara is compelled to intervene, breaking her handcuffs and showing this lowlife the real extent of her abilities by sucking the water from his body. Rescuing the girl. I've never done that. Yeah, that's that's a tough one to pull off. However, she is stopped short of killing him after pleas from his own daughter, who he minutes ago had at gunpoint. Mara leaves more confused about the townspeople than before, but her faith in them is restored somewhat when, at the end of the issue, a previous victim of the sleazy grocery manager brings her some dog food in an attempt to show her that surface dwellers are not all that bad. So, Mark, I gave you I gave you issue six, buddy. This uh, this was a good one. What do you what do you guys say? Boy, this could have present been presented by the people who work in like battered women shelters. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> it was good, dude. This shows Mara as a very strong character compared to kind of what you get at the beginning where, you know, she's I, I want to say like in that first or second issue. I got tired of her asking a bunch of questions and Aquaman just kind of correcting her all the time. I think a lot of it is the fact that she doesn't understand much about the surface world in the first place. But regardless, this kind of this issue clearly gave her the chance to shine. I want this as like a pitch for a TV show. 
Like, can we get a can we get an Arrowverse show just on Mera and her trying to figure out like how to live in a world of surface dwellers as an Atlantean and not understanding like how things work? I think that'd be great for at least one season. Oh yeah, um, for one no. season. <laughs> <laughs> then it quickly no, grows I, stale. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I got a kick out of this. Like, I mean, the stuff with the with the guy at the end, you know, and the daughter. Like, yeah, that was a little. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. And I think the and I think there are people who ask that question of why do you st- why do you stay with the abuser, um, which wasn't really answered here, but um, it was alluded to, but not really answered. But I I do like the idea of this person who is trying to make their this alien essentially trying to make their way in this world that she's respecting out of respect for her for her love for I guess her husband, but doesn't really understand or appreciate all that well and if she had her druthers she'd go back to atlantis but she's making the best of it and she's making mistakes along the way like you do and mm-hmm. that, that and that i enjoyed cole talk about mara here I, I don't know much about her from prior to what we've just read uh, is she represented well here in the new 52 Yes, Mara in the New 52 is, it's actually one of the strongest representations of her character. It really brings in the fact that, you know, I don't want to spoil too much of future events in uh, in Aquaman, but it's sort of hinted at here that she's an assassin. She was sent to kill Aquaman and had a change of heart. And they really portray her very well as, for lack of a better term, a strong independent woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's a badass. Um, she is, she a, badass. is a complete badass. She's got an amazingly powerful power set and they don't pull any punches with her. They show that she doesn't have the same. She doesn't have any compunction over hurting people if they deserve to be hurt. It's just it's it's a fantastic issue. This is probably of the one shots that that I read in the, the building of the new 52 where they're setting the scene and oh, here's an interstitial with this character. This is probably my favorite one shot of uh, of the early new 52. I love it when she's drawing the water out of that dude's body and she says something like, you guys, you are all fools. You think that water's our weakness. <laughs> and then when you don't have it, you're done. I knew what was going to happen when she got out of that car. I had a feeling what she was going to do. And even though I knew that was going to happen, I couldn't wait to see it because, again, the art of this book, I just couldn't wait to see what was going to be drawn and how it was going to be drawn. It looked awesome. Uh, you know, the water's like leaving his eyes and every pore of his body. Uh, so very cool. No, she's a she's a fantastic character, and, and and I appreciate what they did with her in this. I'm I am vocally not a fan of the new Fifty Two, mm-hmm. uh, but this they I think she's one of the best. This series, of this book, was one of the best things that came out of the new Fifty Two. Because so I have a question to round to to round out this discussion. Yeah. Why does why does Ronnie not like the new Fifty Two? Why did most people uh, not favor the new Fifty Two? I don't like I've read. A number of things from the new 52 and outside of the one justice league story i i I feel like there's a lot of good that came out of the new 52 so i don't get what the problem here is the just the stuff i I read i didn't like i mean there was supposed to be this big crazy change in everything and and the only thing they really did was just make superman kind of a jerk and he didn't wear his underwear on the outside of his tights anymore they i don't know i i just it wasn't any one thing it was just several things that that i read that i, I wasn't a fan of cole what what do you think if you had all right 
and, and I was going to say, well, what if you had to? But I'm like, no, this really does exist because I'm that person. But let's say my dad was here right now, and he's and we're back to the same question of, I don't get it. What's the new 52? What's the difference between the new 52 and what preceded it? What would you tell him was the defining feature of the new 52? And and more to the point, what is it about that defining feature that people would just like, this is horseshit, and I don't like it? <laughs> I think the thing that a lot of people had issue with with the New 52 was change for the sake of change. Um, yep, part of it, yeah. There was a lot of good established continuity that got thrown out the window or seemed to have been thrown out the window when the New 52 came in where they said, we're just going to start fresh, everyone's at a, a zero state, and nothing that none of these stories that you've loved over the years matter anymore matter. they, they completely dissolved the jsa yeah like and there were there were specific things like that um the loss of several of my you know several of my favorite heroes who were golden age heroes that now just didn't exist because superheroes were brand new there was no jsa there were no there was no our man or star girl or any of those yeah. uh more classic characters there was no overall reason for anything that they did right we did the dark side war on here. I don't think, I don't know if Jim Lee was part of that at that point, but regardless, that story was so convoluted. And so uh, it was just like, they were throwing stuff, just stuff in a big stew and hoping mm. that everybody was going to partake of said stew and just be happy with it. And a lot of people weren't, we know how we've talked a lot here recently about how unhappy the public can get. Especially I don't like when, stew, <laughs> especially when they're fed stew. Uh, so, okay. That's a lie. I like, let's let's have let's give our uh, final thoughts here as a whole other than issue five i really liked it okay. i mean the the few issues that i had with it with of course the uh you know the, the constant poking and prodding it and making fun of aquaman but it, it was like i said to me it was one of the best things that came out of the new 52 all right mark radlich same. I, I don't have the prejudice against the new 52 that uh, the other guys have. But again, I wasn't reading it when it was current. You know, I'm kind of going back and God, I, I just uh, I'm, I'm I'm just grabbing trades that look interesting or the or the stuff to cover on this show. So like I'm or whatever is available at Ollie's. So like I'm just <laughs> grabbing shit from all over the place. Like I'm just looking at my stack. I have like Green Lantern wanted Hal Jordan, which I guess precedes the new 52. I've got this. You know, I've got uh, just stuff from all, and the same thing with Marvel. You know, I've got stuff that precedes Marvel now, stuff from after Marvel now. Um, it's just an odd conglomeration of comics. But, you know, I'm taking things and I'm t kind of taking things in stride and sort of judging each story on its merits. You know, I, as far as the the trench story, I thought it was great. I thought it was very cinematic. You know, th you know me. I, I say this almost almost every show. I kind of look kind of look at what what would make a good movie or good TV show. And I thought this was a good television episode of an Aquaman TV show. Okay. All right, Cole. Fin finish this out. What were your final thoughts on this one? Of the new 52 titles that I picked up, which were, when it first launched, many, many titles, there was one title that I read to completion all the way from issue one to issue 52 when they launched Rebirth, and that was Aquaman. This trade is a great introduction to the character and a great level set of the status quo of what's to ex what to expect uh, in the future issues, from the level of action to the humor to the interpersonal drama it's just a, a great cross-section of what we're going to see going forward. I can't give it enough praise. What are we in store for with Black Manta Rising? And more importantly, did I make a good choice in deciding to cover Black Manta Rising in December of 2018? Oh, Lord. <laughs> 
Um, I think that Black Manta Rising is, like the Trench, a great uh, introduction to a very iconic character in Aquaman's in Aquaman's universe. Uh, you really get to see the why uh, behind Black Manta. It's not just, oh, he's a bad guy who poaches fish or, or whatever. There's real animosity between the characters. He's a much more personal villain than a lot of other superheroes have. And it all stems from a mistake, a terrible mistake that can never be undone in Aquaman's past. Sort of the author of his own misfortune. We all know that for every good guy, there needs to be a better bad guy. Uh, I need I need Robert Winfrey on this piece to do his old quote for everyone loves a bad guy. But uh, regardless, yeah, I mean, Black Manta, is that like, that's his rogue, right? Is there anybody else that's, I, I mean, the iconic villain for Aquaman? Uh, there's... Ocean Master, his uh, his half brother Orm. There's Never King Shark. Nah, I don't think I heard of him. Uh, but King in Shark general, was a flash. I thought King Shark was a Flash villain. Eh, King Shark is kind of a Flash villain, an Aquaman villain. Uh, he's fought Superman a couple times. He he gets around. He's a bit of a slut. <laughs> <laughs> I have not watched it yet, but I have. It's sitting there ready for me to watch, and that's the Justice League movie, okay? This is our movie where we get our appearance from Cyborg, Flash, uh, and Aquaman. So you want to give us your thoughts real quick there, Cole, on the representation of Jason Momoa that Jason Momoa puts on screen for Aquaman? Is is it good? Dude, bro. It was definitely his yard. (laughs) Superman. Comparisons comparisons to (laughs) Roman Reigns' side. (laughs) Um, I think Jason Momoa did a good job in portraying a character. (laughs) I don't know that the character was Aquaman, but the, his portrayal in the movie, the characterization they gave him, it made me want to, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I can't believe that these words are going to escape my mouth. It made me want to watch a DC cinematic universe movie. I want to see the Aquaman movie to see where they go with this character. Um, I've never felt that before. Like the only DC movie I've liked was Wonder Woman. And I think that's pretty much universally accepted as the best one. Mm-hmm. Well, it's no I thought Man Justice- of Steel. <laughs> right? <laughs> By visionary director Zack Snyder. Because <laughs> uh, that beginning on Krypton wasn't convoluted at all. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we could go on for another two hours on that, I believe. <laughs> could we? Could we Could we discuss the, the depths of Martha? Oh, Martha! Why did you say that name? Why did you say the name? name? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lex Luthor and his completely believable plan to manipulate an already angry Batman. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, The Justice League movie, I didn't, I thought there were parts of it that were that were good. I thought there were more parts of it that were poor. Not good. <laughs> um, but in general, I enjoyed what I saw from Jason Momoa. I like Jason Momoa a lot as an actor. I think that he's very underrated, and I'm excited to see where they're going to go. Frontier is a very look, good show with him in it. Oh, Frontier is so good. Yeah, it really oh, is. Um, see, I've been wanting to do a TV party for Frontier, and I actually was going to try to get Andrew Graham, my resident Canadian, to do it with me. But if you guys have seen it, I may tap one of you, Ronnie. Um, um, I've not seen all of it. So, uh, okay. Cole, have you seen all of it? No, I have not. I'm about halfway in. So he's probably a little further than me, so Cole will probably be your go-to on that. But I'll, I'll gladly, you know, as much as I've seen, I'll gladly talk about it. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. I mean, I've only got the first half of the year scheduled, so we got to oh, figure yeah. it out. <laughs> the first half of the I hope you're free in 2020. <laughs> I was going to say the first half of 2021 scheduled, he means. <laughs> 
let me uh like, I, i've made a lot of cracks about jason momoa tonight and aquaman and everything and i and then mostly i'm just drawing from the stuff that was already out there in the atmosphere my my, my personal opinion about this version of aquaman is it's fine i get why they wanted a swarthy samoan uh to play aquaman it may it you know it makes sense and if you're not like a you know a comic book purist he doesn't have to be a blonde white guy it's fine um i like the idea of him being sort of disenchanted with the world and him having to be drawn in by this great conflict and now that he's in what is he gonna what is he gonna do with that vested interest it's something you see in a lot of in a lot of comic book characters that come to the movies. I mean, to a degree, that's what Black Panther was about. No, you know, trying to trying not to do spoilers here, but again, you have insulated characters who are forced to confront a never shrinking world, and what are they going to do with that? Inf- what are they going to do with this opportunity, if anything? Mm. So, I'm also interested in, in seeing what they do with Aquaman. It's just. It also lends itself to being made fun of incessantly, especially with how crappy the DC Cinematic Universe really is. Well, all right. Let's go ahead. We'll wrap this son of a gun up. That was our coverage of Aquaman issues one through six from the New 52 series. Uh, we'll go ahead and we'll get into plugs and we'll start with Colmar and Tet. Uh, you know, you are you are special guest co-host here tonight. So I'm going to let you go first on plugs. What would you like to promote, sir? Well, uh, the only thing I've got going on right now, my Twitch stream, uh, I stream pretty much every day over at twitch.tv slash the film twit. Um, I've been streaming some PlayStation 3 games, some Switch games, some PS4 games every now and then. But the real big passion that I've got going on right now is my Extra Life campaign. Uh, mm. For those that don't know, Extra Life is a, a charity that is partnered with Children's Miracle Network Hospitals where uh, you stream games for 24 hours in November to raise money for your local hospital. And I've decided to throw my hat in the ring this year. Uh, If you'd like, you can check out more about the campaign at extra-life.org. If you like what you see, you might want to throw a couple dollars my way. All right, uh, Ronnie Adams. (laughs) Actually, Cole really inspired me because I I checked out his Extra Life page and everything, and I was like, this is something I could totally get behind. And I want to get behind because, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 100% of the profits go to Children's Miracle Network in the hospital you're choosing that's true uh, and uh so here in north carolina i chose duke children's hospital i'm also doing an extra life uh, campaign now i want you to go to coles first because he is the one that in- inspired me but if you so choose you can visit both and throw a few bucks to both of them um the the thing that i i, uh, I dare say maybe cole would echo but if you see either one on on facebook any kind of social media or anything like that not only you know if if you if if you know i understand pinch your pennies whatever if you feel like you can't give on either one of them hit the share button because the more people that hear about it the more chances that we both have to hit our our goal so uh it's going to an an amazing you know uh an amazing charity who you know we want you know nobody wants to you know kids to say to stay sick we want them to get better uh, we want that money to go to uh, finding cures and and healing, you know, healing this these kids and 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 uh, providing medicines and, and you know and everything else. Uh, so we have um, both of us have an extra life uh, campaign going on, and uh, it's it's it really is it, it blew my mind when I read about it, and um, so I was like, this is this is amazing. So uh, check both of them out. But uh, we also have the Screaming Boy podcast. We just recorded last night, and it will be up in the next couple of days uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and the Radio Legend. The Radio Legend Podcasting Network. 
Um, <laughs> what did you say? I don't understand what what was. Oh, you're uh, such a jerk. Um, but um, but it, we did our uh, let's go to the arcade episode where we talked about all about arcades and arcade games and uh, what was the draw of an arcade back in you know the 80s and 90s and why did we enjoy that and the uh, the difference between arcade games back then and console games and maybe your computer game you know there was definitely a difference between Dig Dug and Pitfall. Yeah, one um, of them was awesome and the other was Pitfall. <laughs> I still love Pitfall. I liked Pitfall when uh, I was a kid. Damn it. Um, the only one I, that frustrated me was uh, Dagon uh, Oregon Trail. You have dysentery. You have died. But, oh. Dude, Pit, Pitfall 2 when I was a kid was the shit. It was awesome. <laughs> So we talked about, you know, uh, why we wanted to pump our quarters, our hard-earned uh, uh, allowances into these machines. And, uh, the, you know, the, the steady decline that we saw in arcades and then the rise of the arcade with, uh, that came about because of Dance Dance Revolution. Uh, Jesse regaled us with the story of poop uh, from when he worked. <laughs> well, as we, all, as we all know, Jesse is the champion of pooping. His kids have told him so. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Uh, so we had a lot of fun last night, so that'll be up. Uh, we've uh, Episodes before that, it was uh, The Empire Strikes Out. It was our discussion on uh, The Last Jedi, and uh, that was Jesse and I. And then we also had our Television A Go-Go episode where we talked about our favorite TV episodes, our TV shows, things like that. So we've had a lot of fun. Please check us out. iTunes, Like I said, iTunes, Stitcher, tune in. Radlidge Broadcasting Network. You can find us on social media. If you search um, uh, Facebook, just look up the Screaming Boy Podcast. Uh, Instagram, Screaming Boy Podcast. And Twitter is at Screaming Boy PR. Uh, go on, give us a like, subscribe, uh, follow us, whatever else you can do. We want to hear from you. All right. Mark Radlidge, the schedule, sir. Please let us know. Okay. Um, depending on when you're listening to this, I know I say that every week, but. Um, if you're listening to us on YouTube right now, then tomorrow night is the, the return of Damn You Hollywood. We'll be reviewing Black Panther, or somebody, or some people like to call it Black Thor. Um, not uh, me, but get it. <laughs> but some that has been what I know some people have referred to it as. And then Wednesday. Now, now this is going to be an interesting week because the Radiogram Broadcasting Network is in the is in the middle of a transition. We are probably more most likely leaving after um, eleven years, I think. No, twelve years. Oh my Almost gosh! Twelve really? years of being on yeah of being on Blog Talk Radio. I am. Uh, I have been in a relationship with Blog Talk Radio longer than I've been in one with my wife. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And it's and, and harder for me to leave. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Oh, anyway. oh, oh, oh. oh uh, man. Melissa knows where you sleep. <laughs> Be yes, ready. As we, as we hear the clong of the, of the frying pan hitting skull. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's asleep. She don't give a shit what I say. Um, anyway. No, I, I have been with Block Talk Radio for 12 years now, since uh, since November, almost almost 12 years, since November of 2006. Some of it's been great. Some of it's been a giant pain in the ass. But I was too afraid and to, to try to go somewhere else and start all over again because, it's you know, I'm a small fry podcast. I, I don't have a lot of name recognition, obviously. And so what I do have, I was afraid of losing by moving. But um, it is it has come to the point with Blog Talk Radio where the the system itself has become more of a headache than I really wanted 
deal with and there's a better option out there for me um it took me almost having a stroke to get it to work but now that jesse and i have gotten it to work good lord <laughs> we are uh we are in the middle of, we're gonna do a test episode this week and that's what i'm getting to the metal hammer of doom will be making its live premiere this wednesday and what better album to review on spreaker than uh for the first time than philip h Ansamo and the illegals choosing mental illness as a virtue mm. right jesse one of, Jesse's, one of Jesse's favorite bands. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, that episode will premiere Wednesday night uh, once it's done, done recorded, and it'll record. It'll be on Spreaker, Spreaker exclusively, as a matter of fact. And if all goes well, you'll start to see the entire network migrate over to Spreaker, and Blog Talk Radio will be a thing of the past. Uh, next week, right here on the Source Material podcast on YouTube, we will. Have Alexis Hana. Her name gets longer every week. Hey Cole, have you figured out there's a lot of gimmicks on this show? Just a couple. Not so as you'd notice. Call back. It's all very subtle. Um as a piano falling out of the sky. Anyway, uh Alexis Alexis Hana will be joining us to record Mockingbird Volume 2, My Feminist Agenda. And we'll be recording that just in time for national women's day ronnie adams no that'll be going that'll be recording while if you don't listen to the youtube show you'll be getting this episode of aquaman that tuesday the 27th of february ronnie adams and i of the screaming boy cast sound like a sick wookie uh ronnie adams of the i having a stroke podcast yeah right <laughs> we'll be reviewing Black Sail Season 2. And then right there on Spreaker, on the Metal Hammer of Doom, Rum Ahoy, the Triumph of Piracy. Are you excited, Jesse? Are you as excited as I am about the Triumph of Piracy? Netflix you... and Yar! I was going to say, are you ready to Netflix and Yar? <laughs> I am, sir. Cole, do you know what it means to Netflix and Yar? You're going to find out, buddy. I'm terrified. You should be. <laughs> And uh, that that's all for me for now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, go give the Rattlech in Broadcasting Network Facebook page a like. The links are still like going to be there. Tonight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the links are still going to be there. So you can go give that Facebook page a like, and we will keep updating that thing with the links for our new episodes, whether we're on Blog Talk, Spreaker, YouTube, whatever. You know, it's going to pop up there. So your best destination is right there at that Rattlech in Broadcasting Network Facebook page. Uh, you can follow me at Stiznarki on Twitter. You can follow the Source Material podcast on Twitter at Source Matcast. Uh, so last week, well, dropping this week, I guess today, Monday, uh, is our discussion about Black Panther. So if you want to go give that, a, a, check that out. We had a good time. Uh, a lot of fun. Fast forward. You're more than welcome to. I, what do I say, Ronnie Adams? A listen's a listen. I don't care if you right. listen to... <laughs> You can listen the whole hour, or you can listen to the last five minutes of the gag reel. I don't care. Counts as a listen for me. I'm perfectly happy with that. Hope to tickle your fancy with it. We had a good time. Uh, other than that, my name is Jesse Starcher for Cole Marantet, for my good buddy Mark Radlish, for Ronnie Adams, harumphing over there in the corner. My name is Jesse Starcher. Have a good one. I'm
Don't fear asking him to repeat it either, because I kind of lost track there at a, at a, after a few seconds. But oh, for fuck's sake! By <laughs> <laughs> every week, I want to say 800 issues, uh, maybe maybe less than that, maybe 700. But regardless, Mark Eaton and Chips, right, Ronnie? We got all that yeah. scheduling down, right, Ron? Uh, yeah. <laughs> when Mark scheduling's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Have I mentioned that December is 10 months from now? Yes. Yes. Trust me. We know. The schedule. <laughs> schedules. Did I say pulp culture? I'll call it pulp culture. How's that? None of, none of us speak English as the first language. They're going, they're, they're attacking everybody who didn't go see Fifty Shades. So, yes. Sorry. Oh, God. I'm <laughs> they, they, they evolved into creatures who, if you don't understand, if you don't appreciate the merits of the Fifty Shades trilogy, you will be food. I'm hoping that that's all of us on this podcast. <laughs> At this point, I will shout it on the mountains. That's how great the Fifty Shades trilogy really is. Wow. I don't know you anymore. Cole, have you figured out yet I'm a dick? I mean, the evidence is there. <laughs> uh, after- Essentially, if you go underwater, aren't you buried alive? I'll just yeah. go back being the grumpy one. Please, sir. I was defending you. I was- Take your seat. I wasn't going to say anything to you, you giant. Ladies, please. You're both pretty. Oh, look, <laughs> at, what you, look at what Cole just said to us. Oh, uh, you. And after being accosted by a grocery manager, Mara puts him in his place by breaking his arm. Things, you yeah, you do it. You, if you can do it, you do it. I mean, I had to do that to somebody in the dollar store the other day. <laughs> you were accosted. Did someone, did someone like you know, t- try to pet your boobs? You know, oh my goodness, kick your balls a little bit. No, and you broke their arm. Not in the dollar what? store. What on the dollar store? <laughs> Moving on. First of all, what dollar store do you go to? <laughs> <laughs> I feel what like you're, saying? you're just doing this to gather up fodder for the uh, <laughs> for the gag reel. For the gag reel. <laughs> I'm not your willing target, sir. (laughs) Things soon spiral out of control. Just like this podcast. Absolutely happens every week. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. That's a lie. I like stew. Stew? Stew meat? Uh, Stew weeks and stew meat. All right. So anyway, um, (laughs) let's go ahead. (laughs) He gets around. He's a bit of a slot. Oh, um, King Shark. Show me them teeth, baby. Um, Dear God, what? What? what, what, what something what, what went wrong there. What happened? Ronnie yeah. Adams of what podcast? <laughs> the screaming podcast. <laughs> Dear God. Um, <laughs> and we all know that one, that Ronnie Adams loves the goat penis. But Jesse Starks there. <laughs> Loves, loves him some Philip, Philip H. on Samo and the Illegal. I'm glad you got tickled at yourself there. Because <laughs> I'm not laughing. <laughs> so with that being said... The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Got to get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay, and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. 
And now the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a scary movie victim. Oh no, a tree fell on my car. And there's only one thing to do. Trip over my own feet and pull myself across the lawn while yelling help at a barely audible volume. <laughs> uh, sorry to interrupt, but you filed a claim with GEICO, so you've got a designated claims team to help you. This GEICO sounds suspiciously reassuring. Are you sure I don't end up getting surprised with an unexpected twist? Just that your GEICO team will always be there to keep you updated. No! What is it? Oh, nothing. I just didn't see that coming. Geico. Great service without all the drama. Welcome to Aquatica, the number one water park in the country, where even more fun awaits. Feel the rush on the new Riptide Race, the world's tallest dueling racer. Splash bigger as you slide through underwater wildlife on the all-new Reef Plunge. Open now. Chill harder at all-new Hangouts. Whatever your fun is, let it flow with the most water thrills in Orlando. Save up to 50% on tickets. Restrictions may apply. Aquatica Orlando. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.